0: On today's episode of Orange Juice Optional, we're excited to discuss the book, The First Ladies by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. This book explores the relationship between Eleanor Roosevelt and her dear, dear friend, Mary McLeod Bethune. This is a friendship that had to navigate the pre-civil rights era. Now, we understand that this subject can be challenging to talk about, but we believe it's necessary to have these conversations and to learn from one another. Now join us as we explore the thought-provoking pages of The First Ladies, again, by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray. Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional.
1: Hey, Suzanne, how are you? Well, as you know, I'm doing okay, but I'm fighting a cold, so my voice is a little hoarse.
0: That's never fun.
1: No, it's not.
0: But I can't let you off the hook and not allow you to speak because then it would just be me talking and that would not be fair to the listeners
1: or you <laughs> or me. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't bother me to talk. It might bother the listeners to hear me because I'm rather hoarse, but it is what it is.
0: It is what it is. And we're currently recording this episode from Hawaii. As we mentioned in the last episode, we get to be tagalongs here. But the weather is not really cooperating
1: with us. No, it isn't. It's a delish of rain today.
0: Yes, and I love the rain. I really do. I love the smell of it, the sound of it, the feel of it. But this is (laughs) really heavy, and now I'm feeling a
1: little bit trapped. Well, in Hawaii, if it's raining, you are trapped. There's really nothing to do in Hawaii in the rain.
0: No, except for shopping. So that might be on the agenda a little bit later today. I think so. And eating, that's always on the agenda. Yes, it is. <laughs> so in last week's episode, I also was telling you about how excited I was because my Christmas spirit is at an all-time high. I decorated my yard. It was looking beautiful. It was a little overdone, a little Mm griswoldy, and I loved it. But then we had a windstorm, and those reindeer went flying into our neighbor's yard. Everything got blown down, and it's
1: a little depressing. Well, nothing that can't be fixed when you get home.
0: Nothing that can't be fixed, but the really embarrassing part is... As I also mentioned, I was going to nominate my house for, like, the parade mm-hmm. of lights so people could go around this holiday season and see all the different light light displays. They accepted mine, and it was the first one listed when it came out in the
1: paper, and there's nothing there. <laughs> it's a <laughs> little bit embarrassing. Yeah. Well, I think everyone there understands when they see the tipped-over reindeer in the neighbor's yard that maybe the wind had something to do with it. and. Frankly, you're not alone. We did hear that the White House Christmas tree was all also blown over in a windstorm recently. Oh,
0: that's right. I'm in good company then. Although I feel bad. That that's that happened. right. Well, I feel bad that yours blew blew away as well. But yeah, and I don't know if it was you or somebody else who said just put a sign in the front yard that says "wind blown" or something like that, so people understand. But I think they'll get it. I think they will. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Well, we have settled into the beginning of December, and we still have a book club to do, so why don't we move on to that?
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Okay. And we're back. So November's book club, a little late, first week of December. And for the listeners, I just want to remind you that the name of the book we read was The First Ladies by Marie Benedict and Victoria Christopher Murray.
1: Suzanne, do you have any thoughts on this book? Well, let's be honest. And I think I qualified this when we started our book club that I'm a very finicky reader. And if I'm not completely enthralled with the book, three, four, five chapters in, I close the book and I don't go back to it. And It's not because I didn't like this book. I just, there were so many distractions in my life. I could not get engaged with the book. And I know you had a very opposite experience, but I could not engage. And I tried on several occasions to go back to it and I just couldn't do it. And so I hate to admit, I did not finish the book, but I know you have pretty passionate feelings about the book. So It'll be interesting to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure how to discuss, though, a book that you didn't complete. I mean, I know you know something about Eleanor Roosevelt, and you did read I some do. of the book. So I we do. can have a conversation. But I found it completely transformative. I got lost in the characters. I was cheering them on throughout the book. I respected the conversations as written in there, and they really taught me something new or helped me to see something from a different
1: perspective. Which So tell me, what did you learn that was new? What did you see from a different perspective?
0: Gosh, how do I even begin? So maybe a quick synopsis. Of course, this book is about Eleanor Roosevelt, the First Lady of the United States many, many years ago, going into World War II, and Mary McLeod Bethune. She was an activist for her race. She was an activist for women. She was completely captivated by education and helping all communities. She was very forward-thinking. She was bold. She didn't back down. And They were kind of a match made in heaven for forward thinking and uh, bringing all these issues to light and actually starting discussions that before nobody on that federal level really would have.
1: So when you talk about issues, what issues specifically?
0: Well, the race issue, not having a voice in the community still being completely disrespected. It wasn't so far after the Civil War that the story... I mean, 50 years. I mean, that's not very long. Maybe it's more. I can't remember what year the Civil War happened. <laughs> but I think it was like 50 or 60 years. But still, it was a monumental movement there. And then this just took it to the next level. So they discussed lynchings in there and got that brought to national attention. They Brought Black men and women with Mary into the federal cabinet of FDR. And they started moving forward. It became a little bit more inclusive because they still had a long way to go. The communication still had a long way to go. But it was a starting point and it was a slow starting point. And to feel the frustration of that starting point, to take one step forward and be super excited about it, but because of one white man having then to take two or three steps backwards and the lies, and it was just very, very interesting. And to hear it between them, between their conversations, being Mary Bethune and Mm -hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt, it was just brilliant the
1: way this book was written so you're going to give this book a five star book five star rating
0: i am going to give this book a very high rating i'm also going to give my gratitude for it because even today these discussions aren't always easy and what i really loved about this book is the fact that it was written by a white woman a black woman and they had these difficult conversations in their friendship. So a lot of what you read in the book was conversations that these two women who wrote the story actually had. There's no way that they could ever prove that Mary and Eleanor had these exact conversations, but they brought their conversations in and we got to explore
1: it like that. That makes sense. So yeah. So can you share with us how they were introduced, how they Formed their friendship?
0: Uh, They were introduced at a ladies' luncheon that was being thrown by Eleanor Roosevelt's mother in law. And they were introduced there. It was for educators, female educators. And that was when the introduction happened. It didn't go exactly smoothly. They instantly did like each other, but Mary faced some challenges at that luncheon, like other women saying they. We're going to leave because she was there. And I think that was eye-opening to Eleanor that people would say that out loud and be so rude and disrespectful to a guest in her home and to people in general.
1: So she reached out to her after the luncheon um, to apologize, to continue conversation,
0: I don't think it was to apologize, but that's where the introduction was met, and then just circumstances brought them into the same circles again, and they started this friendship and this conversation, and you know, Eleanor still looked at a lot of things from the position of a privileged white woman, even though she wanted to do better, even though she knew they could do better and that there was this issue that needed attention brought to it, and she wanted to bring that attention there. It was just really, just to hear the conversations that happened. There was one situation, FDR had already been, I think he had already been president. And during his second term, he wanted to engage the Black vote. And Eleanor went to Mary and was like... You can support him now because this and this and this. But what Eleanor did was assumed that Mary would agree that that was in the best interest of her. And that led to a really tough discussion. And for me, that was a discussion that I'm like, oh, my gosh, wow. Can't believe how something that Eleanor felt was so innocent Really, really wasn't, and why it wasn't, and feeling why it wasn't, and really hearing Mary's voice there as she explained herself. And she did it through anger, but she's like, The only way I can help you is if we have these discussions. So as long as you're willing to listen, and as long as you're willing to hear where I'm coming from, then we can see if we can move on with this
1: friendship. So, did you find that like a turning point in the book, or was that your? most enlightened part of the book, your favorite part of the book?
0: I just really felt like I heard the lesson in a way I haven't heard it before. I know in the past couple years, you know, I've been called to, well, don't just say this, you've got to feel it. And waiting to, Mm -hmm. trying to understand what that meant was not always easy, but in this book... I glimpsed it in a different way, and I do feel changed. I do feel like my approach to it is one that's going to look at it through different eyes rather than assumptions of somebody who, you know, has not walked a day in those shoes.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. And there was a conversation later in the book in which they were hosting a dinner. And I can't remember if it was at the White House or somewhere else, but Eleanor did say to Mary, well, you're the only... Person of color here. So I hope you're comfortable. But Mary looked around the room and everybody serving was a person of color. And, you know, she's like, I don't want to call Eleanor to task. But something happened in which Eleanor saw her mistake. And she's like, you could just see it on her face. She saw it. She understood. And again, that was another moment that took their friendship even further forward. They really yeah. were very, very good friends. And this book is based on a friendship. But as they said at the end of the book, because there was a wonderful, what is it called at the end of the book? Epilogue? No. Is that
1: the Epilogue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, epilogue for the end.
0: Each of the authors wrote one and kind of told their reason for doing it. And they did say mm-hmm. that you know, the conversations that were had in this book, they're conversations we've had, which I mentioned earlier. We right. don't really know the timeline. Sometimes we had to move things around in order to fit it all in and get the point through. Mm-hmm. And it was a true story. It was a real friendship. It existed. They stayed at each other's house. But, you know, of course, it's kind of so,
1: fiction and what the conversations were. Right. And so what do you think – Did the book address the relationship between Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Mary, or was this just about Eleanor and Mary, and was his role not included in the story?
0: I feel that his character was very secondary in the story. I mean, he was present in Eleanor's life. He was the president. She was the first lady, you know, first in New York, I believe. He was the governor, Mm -hmm. and then... The president. And so he was always there. They did not have a great marriage. They were partners in mind, but not like everyday married couples because Franklin Delano Roosevelt had an affair that Eleanor couldn't get over. And so, right, mother in law convinced her to stay in the marriage, to live her own life, to do the things that brought her completion, like all of her education work to be her own woman, but to be her own woman in this marriage and be an advisor. And so they had a great relationship that way in which he would listen to her and he appreciated her input. But it wasn't in the beginning that he met Mary. It wasn't until much later. And when she went in front of him and shared her thoughts on education and how Blacks were being left behind that he saw her passion and her inspiration and then gave her position in the board. I mean, that is the timeline they showed. But he was very impressed by her, her passion, her arguments. She was very smart. She was very together and an activist from day one.
1: So he supported her. He supported her. Generally, or did his politics get in the way? His advisors got in the way,
0: and his fear of this being so <laughs> aggressive in thinking got in the way and slowed things down. He still mm-hmm. brought everything into the fold and into the mix and made that first step forward, but there was hesitancy there because it's never been done before. And, you know, he had Southern constituents that he had to think about that might not vote for him or might not agree. There was still a lot of that going on. But Eleanor, she she pushed it through. She just kept at it, as did Mary. And there was a point in the book in which she went to visit, I believe Eleanor went to Mary's house to visit her, and they were going to have dinner, and it was in front of a window. And people were stopping and looking because they were so upset to see a black woman and a white woman having dinner together and breaking bread together because that wasn't done then. And that just blows my mind. Yeah. It feels Mm -hmm. so clueless, although I wasn't clueless, but it just showed different aspects that I hadn't thought or considered before.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I did really really enjoy the book and the lessons that it taught. And, you know, things still feel a little uncomfortable to talk about because I want to say the right words, but I want to have an honest conversation too about the book and
1: use my own words to discuss it. So I find it interesting that you were, for lack of, well, or maybe to use your own words, because I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but that you were clueless about the fact that it was shocking to see a white woman and a black woman dining together because, well, and it makes me wonder, I don't feel like that would ever be an issue today. I don't think anyone would look twice, no one in my world that I know of would look twice seeing a, a white woman and a black woman dining together. But other parallels that you see that you can compare what was going on in the 40s, in 1940, versus what we see today. Because there's so much talk of racism in our society today. Um, right. Are, are there parallels?
0: Let me think about that for a moment. And maybe clueless <clears throat> wasn't the right word. You know, I was aware mm-hmm. of the big movements. I just didn't see... right. The trickle down to the things that we take for granted today and how they were all affected. I knew the big things, I knew, but Mm -hmm. I didn't even consider, like, no, I don't know. I don't know how to have this conversation. I know, like, segregation was very big, and this book talked a lot about that. There was one story where they were giving a speech, and I think it was Alabama, and Eleanor went to sit next to Mary. But she sat in the colored section, and on the orders of the governor, the police came and asked her to move because she was not in the correct place. And she's like, I'm here to give a speech. This is my friend. I'm sitting with her. And they're like, we're going to arrest you then. She's like, I'm the first lady. He's like, it doesn't matter. And so to demonstrate her point, she took her chair and she moved it to the middle between the white section and the black section to be neutral. Uh, so, just it talked mm-hmm. a lot about that segregation and everything.
1: Interesting. It sounds like it was a. It sounds like it was a, a fascinating book, and I'm sorry that I didn't finish it.
0: Was so progressive, and they're women because back in the 1930s, 1940s, women didn't have a whole lot of rights either, and you know. They're pushing this through. They're making a difference in a time when their voices really weren't heard and they weren't willing just to take a back seat and be ignored. And they kept finding other ways to push it through. And, you know, the book talked about how they would conspire. In a good way and not conspire in a sinister way, but they would sit down and they would come up with a strategy in order to get their position out there. What can we do to be seen and Mm -hmm. to show we're serious about this and that we are friends and that it's okay to be friends and to be seen together? And it just kind of walked through all of that. They ended up, it said in the epilogue, staying at each other's house, You know, giving each other hugs, just real
1: true friendship. Friendship.
0: Yeah. So friendship is important. And yeah, it was pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like a beautiful example someone taking their position, Eleanor Roosevelt specifically, and using it to the best of her ability and taking advantage of it. And I know that was not just about racism, she had a, a huge impact on so many social issues because she took advantage of her position that she held.
0: She's very well educated. She had this agreement with her husband that she was going to live her own life and push forward her values and what she believed in. She saw a lot. She witnessed a lot. She had a compassionate heart. And I was happy to get a glimpse into it. her and I spent time you know going and looking at photos to see like what she looked like what Mary looked like and mm-hmm. just really kind of trying to emerge myself a little bit further in the story and I was sad when it came to an end but I think that mm-hmm. the epilogue in which each of the authors talked about the struggles in their own friendship the struggles that came with writing a book about race
1: and how that was in the book also
0: mm-hmm. it came
1: full circle which is great. And I just want to go back to what my definition of a great book is, which I've talked about before. It's a book that sticks with you and changes you in some way. And I think that this book definitely fits that definition for you.
0: I agree. And thank you. I'm sorry that you didn't get a chance to finish it, that it there was so much going on. But if you yep, have to revisit. Yep, yep,
1: life gets in the way sometimes.
0: Life does get in the way sometimes, but do you have any other questions or thoughts on that book or anything that you would like to add? I mean, I, you did read
1: some of it. I did, and I was enjoying it, but like I said, and and, and I chalk this one up to it wasn't the right time in my personal life to be dedicated to any book. And this book, I just couldn't power through. I just, it was, there are too many other things going on, and I'll get to it at some point.
0: Okay. Well, when you do, maybe share your thoughts on it. But again, a huge shout out to both the authors of this book. Thank you so much for putting everything into words, for creating this story based on the outline of a friendship that they had and what it must have been like as they worked together and pushed through all of these issues that were
1: so... Unresolved. Unresolved,
0: yeah. yeah. And just being forward thinkers and not ever being shaken to the point where you let go of who you were and what you believed in.
1: They made a difference. They did. And so. I think that I think that makes it a great book. I do too.
0: Well, with that shared about this book the first ladies why don't we move on to closing
1: okay sounds good
0: okay another episode is ending and before it does i do want to share for those of you mm-hmm. who want to know that the book we will be reading in december is called of course i can't find It's called One December Day, I believe, but let me look here real quick. Oh, is that what? Oh, yeah. One Day in December. It Mm -hmm. kind of reads like a Hallmark movie, which, you know, is right up my alley. So I will be listening to that all 10 or 12 hours, whatever it is, of complete joy. Hopefully you'll get this one in, Suzanne. It's a little lighter and an
1: easier read, maybe. I will get it in. Okay. It's like you know I sometimes life gets in the way.
0: Yes, I do. yes I do and you had a good Thanksgiving.
1: We did yep yep. We were in Hawaii for Thanksgiving and my grandson had the flu and so things were a little more complicated than they usually are. And how about you? How was your Thanksgiving?
0: I want to share that. It was one of the best Thanksgivings that I've had in a long time. I'm somebody who, really doesn't like anyone being alone on Thanksgiving. And so I usually end up inviting a lot, a lot of people. I think in the past, I've had 30 to 40 people at my house for Thanksgiving, which is a lot, even when everybody's bringing something. But because we were flying out the next day, it was limited to 12, everybody brought something. The cleanup wasn't horrible. The conversation flowed. I got to talk to everybody there. So I really felt it was a successful Thanksgiving and I was completely grateful for that.
1: And you had hosted a birthday party for your mom the weekend before Thanksgiving. And so, you know, a little shout out to your mom, a happy belated birthday to her. But I know that you had a house full the weekend before. So.
0: I did. And that was 40 to 50 people. And so it was very easy this year to contrast that different feeling between a large party. That's large to me, 40 to 50 people. Right. Well, and it is. More smaller, intimate party. Um, so it just helped me appreciate it that much more. And you know, she listens to the episodes. She, la- she listened to last week's two times, she said. So oh. she got out, a lot out of it. But yeah, thank you. She had a good birthday.
1: Well, happy birthday to her. Okay.
0: Well, with all that shared, I think all we have is a quote or something to sip on, and only feels right to pull a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. And good move. Go. Do what you feel in your heart to be right, or you'll be criticized anyway. You'll be damned if you do, and damned if you don't. Eleanor Roosevelt. And there's just something to sip on. Until next week, everybody, cheers.
1: Cheers.